0: you You're listening to Bickering Peaks.
1: Welcome back to Bickering Peaks. Um, this is Aiden.
0: This is Lindsay.
1: And we are returning after about a month-long hiatus. A little more
0: than a month, yeah. Yeah,
1: we have come back to discuss uh, possibly the last Twin Peaks official uh, story told in the Twin Peaks universe.
0: Yeah, unless something miraculous comes out on the the Missing Pieces um, box set that comes out in about a month. Mm -hmm. Um, This is uh, all about Twin Peaks The Final Dossier, which was released last week, and... um, yeah, obviously, the novel by Mark Frost. Yep. So, but before we dive into that, let's talk about what we've been doing for the last month, because it has been about a month since. since.
1: Yeah. So since w- I, what have
0: you been up to, Aiden? Uh,
1: a lot of stuff, but not much, <laughs> surprisingly. Uh, no, just, you know, the usual uh, reading, writing, arithmetic. arithmetic Yes, all three of them. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, no, just, just enjoying a, a bit of time away from the series. Um, still checking in on Twitter and, and seeing all the cool stuff that's coming out. Um, you know, yeah, uh, we just passed Halloween. There were a bunch of awesome cosplay yes. slash Halloween costumes, very cool stuff. Uh, yeah,
0: obviously with Kyle McLaughlin's Coop loves costumes yes. hashtag contest that was mm-hmm. going on, um, which was won by the uh, the lodgers Kate. Uh, from the lodgers podcast so uh, congratulations kate she had a really great nido costume that won. it was it was pretty awesome so if you haven't checked that out you should go back and look because it was really awesome Definitely.
1: and what um, about you Lindsay? what have you been up to
0: i've been really busy with work on the 25 years later site mm-hmm. um we've been rolling out a lot of really cool and, and thinking of some really cool things to carry us through this long dark cold winter ahead of us um getting involved with the Bookhouse Babes uh, which all of this seems to have happened in a very short period of time but since our last podcast Mm -hmm. so like the Bookhouse Babes and um, this new the Learn Lynch series on 25 Years Later which is really fun Mm -hmm. and some stuff we're going to be branching out with in the future with other series so I've been watching Northern Exposure
1: Mm -hmm, which you've been binging pretty hard I have been binging pretty
0: hard because it's it's all the all the fun um, uh, quirky
1: Small town, small town uh, stuff rural from Twin Peaks, yeah.
0: uh, with a, with a, a little bit of some supernatural dream sequence-y stuff, yeah. but way more comedy and um, just f- a fun series that yeah, I've, I've been really watch. enjoying rewatching it because I haven't seen it since it was first on TV. TV it, was, it was a show 90s, my parents yeah. let me watch for sure. Yeah. Unlike Twin Peaks, which yes. they didn't know I was watching. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've been yeah. getting sick, so yes. your throat is quite hurting <laughs> it has been for the last week yeah you sound much better now this is Lindsay's improved voice yes i hope it's it
0: sounds a little gravelly. It sounds not but not in a sexy way <laughs>
1: like, so you, more like tortured gravel like yeah a someone bit. poured gravel down your throat
0: yeah that's but what's uh, but, uh, but i'll make it you'll manage i'll manage i've got my tea it's cold outside mm-hmm. it's snowing outside yes. for those of you who uh are not in northern north america Western Canada. Western
1: Canada, basically. Yeah, it's... We've it's, got about
0: six inches of snow out there, or more. Yeah. So, yeah, winter has arrived. Yeah. And we are full in full hibernation mode, but with a lot of stuff ahead of us. Yes. Starting off with the final dossier, and then continuing through the winter with our David Lynch, our look back at David Lynch, all and, of his films, all, all of Mark Frost, Frost stuff. Uh, we'll probably do something for The Missing Pieces, or not The Missing Pieces, the... Yeah, yeah, the DVD, the, the,
1: the Blu-ray Blu-ray release. The returns three, missing yes. pieces, maybe. Yeah. I don't know what's well, going to be on there. There's going to be some deleted scenes. I think so. Uh, there's yeah. also some behind the scenes stuff that yeah. we we've got a small peek at so far in it. So it I think looks we'll do really some,
0: some special episodes coming up there, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, this then, is, yeah, yeah. and then yeah, after that,
1: we're gonna see where it goes. But
0: uh, I think we're gonna be putting out uh, a schedule. Yes. Aiden has done up an, a nice little schedule, uh, so we'll release them month by month, so that. Uh, we had some interest from some of our followers who were uh, keen to watch what we were going to be talking about on mm-hmm. our podcast. So we will release that for you guys so you can kind of watch along with us. Maybe it'll be like a movie club. We'll yeah. like get together and talk about the movie, guys. Yeah. It'll be fun. And
1: just you wait till we get to Fantastic Four. That's going to be a humdinger <laughs> of a discussion, let me tell you. Um, yeah.
0: So anyway, do you want to talk about the book? Let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the book physically first. Okay. It's a book. It,
1: yes, <laughs> that is very descriptive. It's
0: about half the length of The Secret History of Twin Peaks. I would
1: say even shorter. It's
0: Well, I mean, technically.
1: Width-wise, if you look at it on a shelf, yes, it's about <laughs> it's, half okay. the size. Um, but there's only about 140, 180 pages or something. Well, and
0: and it's not as much stuff on the page. Like if you remember yeah. on The Secret History of Twin Peaks, I mean, the, po- the audio book for that was like nine hours nine in hours. length. And this, and this only is only three hours. Three hours, yeah. So, but that's because the secret history was full of asides and photograph descriptions and it's very, very small typeface. The final dossier doesn't take that form. No. It is all from Tammy's viewpoint, with the exception of a few pieces that come in from uh, other sources, yeah. such as Albert Rosenfield. Yeah. Um, and it's. It's presented as a compilation document of Tammy's investigation into the lives of the people in Twin Peaks. On Gordon's behalf, he was interested to find out what was going on with all these people, and so she did that. And mm. it follows a fairly linear narrative.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Part. Yeah, yeah. It's true.
0: Um,
1: and it's it's interesting to see—well, um, we, can, we can get into that in a bit, but it's interesting to see who— was included and who was not, because yes. there was quite a bit of in the secret history of characters that you know, the, the Douglas Milfords of the world, which were throwaway characters in the show that became central to the secret history of Twin Peaks. Right. Um, while leaving some of the bigger characters like Audrey, Bobby, these other Annie. ones, Annie, yeah. a completely undiscussed, yes. really. Yeah. Um, this picks up on a few of them, leaves some other ones that I thought were very interesting uh in the in the return and which didn't get any press here like Lucy and Andy and and stuff like that there was there was a whole bunch of stuff going on there so um but yeah it's it's yes physically size wise definitely smaller narratively it's much easier to follow because it is this this it's a single voice for the most part um and she's telling her what she calls chief so uh chief Gordon Cole um all about the 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 townspeople of Twin Peaks um and so yeah it's it's easy to track it's easy to follow through and it's not at all a difficult read.
0: No, it's not. I think we both plowed through it.
1: Well, yeah, on the, the audiobook, day. we both listened basically three hours straight. Yeah. And then the next... Yeah, you read it the next day in paper, copy, I read it two days yeah. later. So we have read it through or listened to it through twice. Um, and we've got some thoughts. We do. We have some interesting... Some, there are some interesting things. Um,
0: Before we get into that, yes. let's just say this will be full of spoilers. Oh, absolutely. So if you have not read the book or if you... Care about spoilers in any way, shape, or form. Uh, maybe pause it here. Yeah, pause here. Uh, go read it and come, and come back. Yeah,
1: because it's hard to discuss otherwise.
0: Now that they're gone, we can talk about coming okay, okay, back. Right? Start, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. So. Um, well, okay. Let's let's start off this way. Yeah. What did you think of the book? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was. I know there's some debate um, when it first happened, when it first was released. People were like, "Ah, is it really necessary? Was this?" Like strictly speaking, did we did we need to have this? And um, I don't think we needed it. I don't think yeah. it added anything, like earth-shattering, completely earth shattering yeah. or with with one exception, which which kind of cemented um, an interpretation of the ending of the finale of the return that um, that also uh, angered some people. So mm-hmm. I'm taking the view of this that it, that it is kind of like dessert, you mm-hmm. know. But like a, a hefty dessert that, yeah. that maybe if you really enjoyed your dinner, yeah, yeah, then you really the enjoy that. the dessert and you'll yeah. dig in and you'll eat it all. But if if you were kind of full after, you're not going to want to touch the cheesecake, right? So yeah. that that's kind of how I'm how I'm looking at it. But I really did enjoy it. I, there were a few moments because I like I said we were listening to it on the, the audio book. And I was driving, I was taking our car in for servicing, Mm -hmm. and it was the first day that it snowed, too, so I was white-knuckling it. It took about a good hour to get to the the car dealership to have it serviced, and uh, there were a few moments of genuine, like, jaw-dropping, gasping. I must have looked like I was having a seizure or something (laughs) from the outside of the car. But, uh, so, I mean, it it had great potential for that. I thought that was really well done. Aiden, what did you think?
1: i i was not as enthralled yeah. i think that's safe to say we we talked about it that first day after we listened and i it seemed quite as you mentioned it was unnecessary um that doesn't mean it's it's not enjoyable or it's not good in its in its own way but even just some of the the writing and some of the i don't know just it, it was not up the secret history of twin peaks was a much fuller experience um possibly because we'd been we'd been in anticipation for 25 years of what was coming uh that the secret history kind of like set up a bunch of interesting mysteries and added to the mythology and and stuff
0: and led into the return as well and it put you in that mindset right yeah
1: Yeah. we all wanted to know what tammy was going to be like when we saw her right uh here because it doesn't have that that setup vibe and it and it instead it feels like you know uh Mark Frost is fond of baseball, so this is a closing inning from a <laughs> from a, a pitcher who's frankly a little tired because it it really didn't add it didn't either add new mystery or resolve old ones quite to my liking, mm. um, and I think that's just because of. The nature of it—it was—it was after the series, which was the thing. The series was the—the the thing that was going to build the mysteries and solve them and, and tease viewers into the knots of you know what we became by the end of part 18. Uh, and here it's—it feels like it's picking a few small pieces. A lot of it felt like fan service. The whole yeah. Annie Blackburn thing, uh, you know, Annie story. Well, we'll get into that, but. It was very much like people wanted to no, know how's Annie. So, so, he, here is how's so Annie. here's how's Annie. So here's how is Annie, and it's yeah. it didn't serve much more of a purpose. Didn't really add. Uh, well, it didn't
0: deepen the mysteries. No, I think is is how I felt, and I'm I'm.
1: Yeah, you're you're summarizing much better than I am. Yes.
0: Well, I don't know. Is that what you were gonna? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It didn't it didn't deepen the mysteries. Didn't solve the mysteries. It didn't really create any new ones. It just it felt like these were the characters that Mark Frost wanted to write about. So he wrote about them, and this is the little bit of the mythology that he wanted to give us his take on so he did and that's fine.
0: But I think also in doing that it feels like it may have honed in on one interpretation of events which that's what I was getting at when I said some people might be a little bit angry about it because it does seem to close some doors mm-hmm. that that part 18 left open yeah. um, which I, I kind of push back against that a little bit because I do feel like there is still a lot of mystery and a lot of possibility out there mm-hmm. that the book leaves open, um, but it 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 answers certain questions in a roundabout way without directly. Like it's fascinating that it that it could take the finale of Twin Peaks: The Return, or season three or whatever they're calling it, and without directly addressing Cooper and Laura at the end of that episode, it's still answers questions about Cooper and Laura Uh, via talking about Norma and Ed and James and Audrey. And it's it was an interesting way of doing it. I still think like I I like your analogy, the baseball analogy, but I still feel like this is a good novel. I don't feel like it's necessarily a tired author. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I but I get what you're saying. It's it's like the final piece of of the final dossier. It's the final piece, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, I did enjoy it. I was very happy to read it. And, you know, the stuff at the end, especially when it gets into the Judies and, and all yeah. the the mythology pieces, um, added some, some interesting takeaways, similar to how The Secret History did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, in that way, it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. So definitely still recommend reading it if you are at all a Twin yeah, fan. Yeah, and
0: I mean, you're not... I don't think it's going to substantially ruined I, I don't see the kind of reaction online that the secret history had where there's a lot of infighting and uh people feeling very put off by it mm-hmm. uh it it i think this is the kind of book that people expected the secret history to be yeah uh you know the kind of
1: yeah fill in the blanks of like exactly. here's where the characters have been for the last 25 yeah. years and everything. because that's
0: exactly what we get yeah for for the most part yeah for the most part um it's just not exactly the story that you would expect. And let's yeah. so let's talk about that. Sure. Who are some of the characters that we that we come across in the book?
1: Well, we get the Horns and the Haywards. They yes. have a couple chapters devoted to them. So you you do get Donna. Yeah. Uh, became a model, and lived a, a societal life in New York um, for a while.
0: Which is interesting because it does seem to mirror some of the the stuff that Laura Flynn Boyle did mm-hmm. in her life. Yeah. So, um, I'll, you know, some people are saying that that's kind of a a pot shot at her but I kind of like it because it's not something that yeah well maybe it's not what you expected from Donna but you expected it from the actress who played Donna so it makes sense yeah does that make sense
1: and and it always kind of felt like Lara Finn Boyle was kind of playing herself a little bit with with Donna she really imbued the character with that that spirit was that wholesome all-american girl look Mm -hmm. and from there it progressed that she had this thing I mean the whole season 2 Donna where it gets a little murkier and she's got the sunglasses and yeah. she's a little more uh, edgy I would say that, and you know you're my daddy
0: but that's, <laughs> that Donna that's, aside
1: um, but she that really,
0: seems like it could be a, a New York fashion
1: that's type. true it's true no um, the, the character that you know, even Moira Kelly's portrayal was basically uh, an homage to Lara Flynn Boyle's yeah. you know, homage is not the right word at all. But, uh, you know, she was just mimicking what Lara Flynn Boyle had done
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and she did a great job. And I, in some ways, prefer her performance. But yeah, so the, the character that we get in the final dossier is that Lara Flynn Boyle uh continuation I would, yeah. I would say yeah um and it's interesting you know yeah she goes she becomes a society woman uh she marries she gets rich, married. And yeah then,
0: they spend their days in cape cod and, and then she you know, of course
1: goes into falls into drugs and alcohol yeah. and she has to go through rehab and yeah. everything and then but eventually it's really sweet where she winds up she winds up back with her father yes who has estranged from uh eileen well they've divorced they've eileen divorced. eileen
0: and and doc hayward have divorced yeah. uh tammy is not aware of the reasons why but yes. she pieces together that something had to yes. have happened ben
1: horn it was involved in some yeah way, yes.
0: so and we know we yeah. saw what happened there but uh tammy's none the wiser so um and, and eileen we we find out about eileen that she passed away mm-hmm. uh a number of years ago uh harriet is a pediatrician now living outside of seattle uh gersten who we know suffered uh
1: yeah, a lot. In <laughs> the return, she was uh, uh, what's it? What was his name again?
0: Stephen.
1: Stephen uh, Burnett.
0: Stephen Burnett. Yes. 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 Uh, Becky's Becky's husband. husband.
1: Yes. So they were paramours there, yes. and they were both very high. The last time we saw them, when she. Uh, she was in the woods, terrified after. So we, a we kind of
0: find out about how that started, and and the the implication being that her her parents' divorce probably set her on a on a path, but also the stress of being a, a grade A, tra- a yeah, student, and and yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was, yeah, it was
1: an interesting segue because sad but interesting. Yeah, yeah. but it, but it did fill in that gap between you know what we saw in the return where mm-hmm. you know she was poked out of her mind or something, and you know the piano playing. Uh, get happy yes from uh from the season two so
0: yeah
1: it, that was an interesting little one yeah um
0: the the horn family also yeah. suffered uh a divorce which we knew about from uh from obviously from the return mm-hmm. we learned a little bit more about audrey that she she has not been in a coma the entire time not the entire time no she was in a coma for a few yeah, weeks a few a weeks months, or something maybe. yeah and then woke up uh discovered she was pregnant
1: yes gave birth to Richard yeah and became a full-time mom but also studied she opened up a hair salon yeah she
0: got well she got her GED and mm-hmm. a degree and then opened up a hair salon which she closed uh four years ago or something in order to um treat herself it's it sounds like maybe she's in a mental institution or some kind of psychiatric facility or she
1: just gone off on her own it's yes it, it's he leaves open and yeah. very uh, open ended Tammy it,
0: has not found
1: yes uh,
0: her whereabouts no
1: and I, I did like that very much I thought that was you know that was one of the great mysteries of the return was when we see Audrey cut away to the white background yes. the mirror we're like what the hell is going on yeah. we don't get an answer here but it plays into the fan theories that were going along there anyway, yeah so yeah um, again and that and that's part of the reason why I didn't like it at the same time as I enjoyed it was it kept the mystery alive that's great Um. But then why write about that aspect yeah. at all yeah. uh, if you're just going to basically give the fans exact same theories as what they've already been peddling?
0: Well, and maybe we'll get to some of that yeah. when we get to the end. Sure. Uh, some of the other characters that we discuss, uh, we find out what James was up to, mm-hmm. you know, getting into some trouble some down trouble again. Mexico way yeah. with uh, some gangsters yeah. that Tammy doesn't seem all that impressed with James's uh, <laughs> <his> <laughs> smarts, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I know.
1: And that holds up in the, the return as well.
0: Um, and then Ed and Norma and their story mm-hmm. intertwined with Dr. Jacoby's. So we yes. learned a little bit more. Some of the the best parts, I thought, were Jacoby and Jerry Horn's chapters. Yeah. yeah. And that was where I really felt that Mark Frost was yeah. shining because yeah. it was, uh, you know, the, the, the 60s counterculture
1: you know, background yeah, that you yeah, get from these exactly. two
0: characters uh, are very similar in a lot of ways, but on totally different tracks. So you find out how Jerry, how Jerry got into his marijuana, marijuana business. Business, yeah. Uh You find out that he's a an audiophile who worked with uh, Neil Young to build this. Uh, speaker speaker system system on the lake lake, which sounds amazing like I would love to sit out in a canoe listening listening to bitches brew that'd be amazing but yes it caused maybe a small avalanche at (laughs) one point these little stories that kind of get colored Mm -hmm. with um, with this kind of information is really fun and doesn't play into any greater no um, it's just a filler it it is it is filler but it's, it's nice it's interesting um we do get, uh, we can talk about Annie, I suppose, is, is the big one that everybody wanted to know. Yeah,
1: about. and and she does get her own uh, chapters yes. uh, devoted to her. So, first of all, there's her background. So, yes. it was always very confusing. How is she Norma's sister? Yeah. They have a pretty big age difference and everything. So, it turns out that they're half sisters. Yes.
0: Uh, Norma's dad was, was a bit of a horn dog.
1: Yes. He was stepping out across uh, downstate, yes.
0: I guess. So we find out that Vivian, who is the Norma's mom from the series, is actually her stepmom. Yes, and, and that Norma's mother is uh, Ilsa who Lindstrom, would, yeah. who had died. Yeah. Uh, but Vivian is is the stepmom, and Norma never apparently never told anybody that this was her stepmom. Yeah,
1: just introduced her as her mom, even though she, Norma'd been there her whole yeah, life. Yeah, you think people some,
0: would would figure it out? But either way, gaps, it's yeah. uh, it kind of explains their relationship maybe mm-hmm. a little bit that that it's kind of acrimonious. Yeah. And actually
1: but, Vivian gets a whole chapter devoted to well, her almost. Exploits as Well, almost. It's not yeah. it's
0: still part of Annie's chapter, but mm-hmm. it's it's you know, how many times she was married and yeah. kind of a gold digger, a well, social climber who just wanted money and prestige and whatnot yeah. and eventually gets this through yeah. I think her fifth or sixth yeah. marriage, right? But but That's, it's through this this process of of finding more husbands and more husbands that Annie is introduced to what sets her off on, on her troubled path, um, mm-hmm. sex, t- attempted sexual assault mm-hmm. by one of Vivian's husbands yeah. that that's the reason why Annie attempted suicide apparently. Yeah. And that sets off a stay in a psychiatric facility. facility and and then, then the
1: nunnery and yes, that's the, convent. the convents that we, we eventually find her, well, get her out of yeah. for the series. Um, and it's, it's a little convoluted, that storyline, I have to say. At the end of the day, it felt like, okay, her last name is Blackburn and Norma's was not Blackburn, so let's introduce this convoluted storyline to get her to be Annie Blackburn and give her kind of the the history of how she wound up in the convent. This is the this is the section that really didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, and I think a few other people, yeah. I think Andrew as well from 25 years later, uh, said the same thing that... The whole Annie section was just quite, uh, it felt strained. It felt like, okay, we're at point F and we have to give in point A to, to E to get there. Um, and it was just kind of rushed in to, yeah. to kind of tell her backstory.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it didn't have the natural flow and the yeah the uh, appreciation of character that the other ones did. But Well, again, and, it, and it
0: does go against some of the things that we had assumed about her. That, you know, the way that she talked about um, in the series when Annie talks about boy troubles or yeah. I don't know how yeah. she discusses it that's not how I've no. known or, or how I would describe you know an attempted sexual assault
1: from your
0: father father stepfather, yeah, stepfather right yeah. I mean it's it it does seem to uh yeah like strain credulity a little bit mm-hmm. it wasn't my favorite chapter yeah. um but and, and, and another reason why I wasn't fond of it is that it it really leans heavily on Annie as this poor troubled mm-hmm. girl I didn't get a sense of of anything more beyond that, and I always I've always felt you guys know this, Aiden knows this, that Annie was kind of a stock character. So when you're trying to build the backstory of a stock character by using tired tropes, it feels like, especially from an author as as yeah, respected yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and talented, talented as, as Mark Foster. Frost, that he's calling attention to that for a reason. And it it almost felt like. You know, when Tammy says something about how this is Cooper and Annie could have been the love of each other's lives, the great love story. It felt like it was supposed to be irony. It wasn't it wasn't supposed to be taken at face value. Yeah.
1: And that's the thing. I still I didn't get that sense of irony. I got the sense that this was earnest and and in a little way, at least I think, he know, there's a lot of knowing winks in this one. Like when they talk about the James. Oh, yeah. uh, And what's her name? Storyline.
0: Um what is
1: their name now? Evelyn Marsh. Evelyn Marsh. Uh when they talk about that it's like I won't fill you in on the terrible yeah, details. Yeah, I won't bore you with yeah, details. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's great. It's it's a knowing nod to the terrible parts of season two. Um and yet That here, felt like a knowing nod, didn't it? No, because it, felt- it, it was so you know, knowing nods are quick. This was mm-hmm. like yeah. this was like so cliche heaven heavy, cliche ridden and heavy at the same time. Uh you know, and it was just it never really found its way to that to that sense of of hey, hey, wink, wink. I, we're both in on this together. And I think part of that's because a lot of people like Danny.
0: Yeah, I, well, I, that's you true.
1: Know, I don't think he's going to uh, do disservice to the fans who um, genuinely thought that she and Cooper were great together.
0: But I have to feel, I do feel still like it's, she's not the best written character no. in the series. And in any attempt at back writing,
1: some yeah, kind of seems a uh, history doomed, for her. Right? Yeah,
0: it's it was always going to be troubled. So I felt like introducing Tammy saying all of these things without knowing either of them really, uh, because we know more about how they only knew each other for four days yeah. and they only we 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 didn't have much of this. No. Tammy has even less really, and I, I mean she has these documents and the story, but she doesn't know either of them. Mm. And so it did it just to me felt like it was. You know, yeah. maybe a little bit of a Tammy deep down could be a bit of a romantic. Yeah. And so she's yeah. hoping for this for and, and trying to. She's I Gordon. Think, I feel
1: like she's one of the fans maybe, who was yeah, like yeah. you know saw this cute couple together and yeah. even though they didn't quite have the chemistry they might have, they were cute enough and yeah. she fell for it. Yeah. Um, and that's that's fine. It worked out well. So the more interesting part of Annie's story, at least to me. Was the 25 years after yeah. uh, when we got into what happened to her after yes. after uh, the events at the end of uh, season two. And so it's it's a little different than what we saw in uh, the missing pieces, uh, because here she's described as the next day she was fine. Uh, or they, I think he describes it as relatively unfazed by what happened to her um and then the day after that though they find her she's she's in the hospital that first night after the events of the final episode uh the next day they find her in a catatonic state um whereas in the secret uh or sorry the missing pieces it seemed like she was already in that catatonic state as soon as she came into the hospital but that's that's a minor thing um And she stays in that state for about a year or so?
0: Well, she improves. It says that she improves to the point where Norma is able to take her home and care for her at home. But it's a year to the day after the events in Glastonbury Grove that Annie attempts suicide again. And at that point, Norma is unable to take care of her without severely jeopardizing her career and ability to make money. So she holds a fundraiser. Ben Horn is a significant donor to that. And they end up putting her in a private facility, which is where she's been to this day. And... It sounds like she is.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting way of describing it cuz she's she's well, she can move, she she's fed, she is fed. It's not like she's stuck on a breathing tube. She's not a vegetable. No. But she has no response to external
0: stimuli. No, she, they say she sounds like she's serene. She looks beautiful. Tammy spends a day with her or a few hours with her anyway and says that she's she looks unaltered by the passage of time mm-hmm. she's ageless which is interesting and uh, <laughs> and but serene and calm and just kind of existing yes and it, with the possible exception of once a year
1: yes at 8 38
0: a.m on the anniversary of the events in glastonbury grove at the end of season two she says i'm, I'm fine, fine just two words I've never been more creeped out by two words in my entire well maybe you
1: you were creeped out (laughs) I was I I was just touched I thought that was that was the sweetest thing in this book really I love that I love that we've been wondering so much and yes it was fan service but god damn it I wanted it I wanted to know she, is she and really
0: fine? yeah well she's like basically catatonic I, yeah but I
1: don't think she's there I don't I think she's in another place similar to so Audrey she's probably or,
0: not all that fine is what I'm getting at
1: why is it it could be a good place her body could be stuck there and her spirit could be in a in another place, and once a year, she reminds everyone, "Don't worry but about me. fine." But it's also a
0: reminder that it's that it wasn't Cooper asking how's Annie; it was Doppelcoop asking mm-hmm. how's Annie. So she's responding to auditory hallucinations, is how the doctors put it, mm-hmm. that were sent across time from an evil doppelganger who abducted her, and is I don't like. It's well, very.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah,
0: it, it is. It creeped me out. I don't know. Maybe it's because I was listening to the audiobook and it was dark out because I, I started the audiobook very late or early <laughs> in the early morning, in the day, I guess. Yeah. So it was, uh, I was all alone listening to these words and I don't know. Yeah. But we know now yeah. Annie uh, in yeah, her own know, words is fine. is fine. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I,
1: I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was very sweet. And yeah, it was, it was finally we got the answer. It might have been the most artistic way of getting that answer but it was nice I it's
0: one it. way and it does lead into some interesting theories that yes. we'll get into but. yeah
1: uh another interesting character windham Earl. yeah we don't get any sight of windham Earl in the next 25 years but it's interesting that mark frost chose this book to get into the the backstory of of Earl, um because you know it had already been done in my life my tapes a little bit yeah he could have done it in the secret history of twin peaks yeah um but Although
0: that was all in Major Briggs's compilation. E- exactly, so, yeah. So for for Tammy to be coming back and looking into this this FBI agent, who also went missing at the same time that Cooper did, because they haven't seen hide nor hair of him in 25 years, uh, that's I think it's appropriate, and it's appropriate for a couple of reasons that we'll come back to when we talk about some of the theories. Mm-hmm. But... Um, It's interesting that, and some other people have pointed this out too, that we first hear of Wyndham's name in Albert's autopsy report in the very first chapter, which details Leo Johnson's, uh, we find out his fate that he died. And Albert assumes that Wyndham Earl is the one who killed him, but... I didn't buy that it would have been Wyndham Earl who did that because I don't think no, there, was there was time. Was it, it had yeah. to have been coop. Yeah, And some other people have brought that up too that obviously Albert didn't have all the information at the time. Mm-hmm. So he made an assumption about Wyndham. So to come back to this story and to have it be... Um, it's interesting because it's different from from the other... Even from what we've seen in the show, from what we heard in My Life, My Tapes, it's just another version of the same story mm-hmm. that we've been hearing ever since Cooper introduced Wyndham Earl. Yeah. So that's interesting, I think. Uh, so, But maybe we'll come back to it. Do you have anything else no, interesting uh, yeah, about
1: Wyndham No, No, Earl, it's just... It, it interested me that he came back to him at all. Because this is a character you really could, for the most part, ignore. Um, With the, it,
0: the only possible exception why I would say it was necessary is that Coop had... Winemere's briefcase, or what looked a lot like his briefcase in an early, I think, part two of the right. return. So yeah. it was. Except it for maybe it was, obviously was much
1: more modern, but
0: sure. But it, but it seems like it was uh, an explanation for how he would have gotten that, which is he oh. went to the cabin to get it he, somehow. I don't know. Okay, it's sure, one yeah. way of looking no, at it. And then, of that, and then that's okay. how he found Leo and killed Leo. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. So, so I think the more the most interesting parts are after we get through the kind of minutiae mm-hmm. of these characters. We get to Major Briggs. Yep. And we get some really interesting stuff about the Blue Rose, Philip Jeffries, and ancient Sumeria, which yeah. <laughs> kind of blew me away. Major Briggs' chapter seems like it's the longest. I yeah. think it is. Significantly longer than any other chapter. But we learn kind of... A little bit about what he's been, what Tammy thinks he was doing mm-hmm. while he was in this quote-unquote hibernation period. Um, mm-hmm. So we knew that he was kind of darting in and out. His fingerprints were found all over the place. And I don't remember how many crime scenes, but several yeah. over the course of 25 years, because that's how the military was on to him. So it leaves open this question of of what was the purpose of him leaving this space mm-hmm. where he seems to have been ageless himself. Um, was it, it was he trying to find the double? Was he trying to find someone outside like Ruth Davenport and Bill Hastings who could help him um, figure out what was going on? Uh, I don't know, I don't I don't have any answer to that, but I thought it was very tantalizing that that we returned to major bricks. Was there anything else that that struck you about those chapters?
1: Yeah again, part of it was, uh, part of it was what, what bothered me was what I noticed most of all, which was that it was regurgitating a lot of what we knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made sense that obviously Tammy wouldn't know the stuff about, you know, Jeffrey's appearing in Argentina and then back in Philadelphia yeah. on the same day, you know. But there was a lot of ink spent on those right. was kind of uh you know, like heavy
0: underscoring this is important That, that well, yeah, yeah. who exactly. do you think that is there yeah, exactly. in the whole February 1989 like yeah. being out of time or yeah. out of sync with time anyway and it was kind of stuff
1: that seemed obvious to the, to the viewer and I, I mean obviously it wouldn't be obvious to Tammy so it, it makes sense that she's interested in it and she comes to the same conclusions as we all have mm-hmm. uh, through the watching um, but as a writer you can kind of say okay the reader is gonna know all this already, mm-hmm. most likely. So it kind of made it kind of put me off a little bit that I was like, okay, yes, I know all this already. Give yeah, me, yeah. tell me something new. Um, and the the new stuff was interesting though. Um, so I, I didn't mind, you know, guessing at what Briggs was doing and, you know, filling in a few of the gaps, like how did a principal and his yeah. and a librarian hack a, an FBI database or something like yeah. that, right? Um, filled in a few of those gaps, which is great. Same with the Raymond Rowe stuff. Um, although yeah. that raised a couple interesting yes. questions, which we'll yes. get into. Uh, but, you know, that that stuff was fine. It was really the the Judy discussion.
0: Yeah, the Judy, the Judy discussion, just before you get there, sure. I, I thought this was... I think part of what a lot of people were upset about um, with regard to nailing down a particular perspective or a particular story um, explanation for for what happened was that um, with all these references to the out of time stuff and everything like that, it really does narrow down the possibilities. I think having Tammy, it's almost like leading you to an interpretation With with how she weaves through that story, linking Jeffries and Briggs and possibly Cooper into this. Yeah, exactly. Talks
1: about the double in that particular way,
0: but it does link back to some of the mythology that Mm -hmm. we dealt with. Not only um, this, you know, Bob Judy experiment, atomic bomb stuff that we saw in part eight that. Really expanded on this this mythology to such a huge degree, which some people aren't really still keen on. Mm-hmm. But it brought back some interesting things like the dweller on the threshold, which yeah. we hadn't heard since Hawk talked about it. Yeah. Um, so it 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 does make you think about the links between these legends and and if they're the same or if they're two sides to the same coin or if they're not related at all. Yeah. Uh, so unlike the secret history of Twin Peaks that took you to. You know the occult and Lemurians, and you know the Greys, and all of these these multiple interpretations. It seems to be linking two very strong ones, like the the mythology of the Lodge, and then the mythology of characters like Jody yeah. and uh, Beelzebub. Yeah. What did you think of that? So finding out that that these characters are uh, Utuku, I think is how they're pronounced, um, Sumerian. Demons. It sounds like. Yeah. What did you think of that?
1: Uh, I I thought it was I thought it was good in the sense of it provided a very clear uh, possible solution or not yeah. solution but explanation of uh, who these characters were. Yeah. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, when you get that far back into history, you know, they're they're, they're channeling elemental forces of, of yeah, evil, right? Yeah. And and whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, they wind up being male and female versions of the same thing. Uh, I thought the more interesting thing was was that, was that gendered uh, interpretation and the idea that when they came together, they were going to produce the greatest evil and destroy mankind. Um, and when we got into Sarah's involvement in this whole thing, that's when it really took off for me. That's when I was like, oh, yes, OK, this is a really interesting take because we had Leland with Beelzebub, Bob. And we had uh, Sarah, who we've basically confirmed as the fr- the fricket girl yeah. from uh, New Mexico, um, potentially being, you know, whatever the frigate was, sound- it seems like it came from uh, Judy, the experiment.
0: Well, okay, and and here's where we need to clarify the terms, because I, mm-hmm. I really don't think that that's Judy anymore. I think that that's the experiment. That's how she was credited, as mm-hmm. the experiment. Yeah. I don't think that's Judy, and I think a lot of people still think it is Judy. Mm. I think Judy was whatever was inhabiting Sarah. Okay. Which was p- coming from that. Yeah. And I don't know all of the, the history of these Sumerian demigods and demons and whatnot, but um, is there, is there a, like a Zeus-like character who births all of these creatures? And yeah. is that what was represented by the experiment? Is the experiment some kind of like channeled deity or channeled... Entity that birthed these things, I, like I, I don't know no, how to explain that. It's yet, super but. interesting,
1: and 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 well, and that's the thing is it's really up for interpretation. Uh, the other important thing out of that is that at the end, of, that was what Doppelkoop and potentially Bob claimed they were always looking for was the experiment. I mean, the the yeah. Ace cards with the you know the horns very closely matches. We find out in this in the book that um, Mr. C was the billionaire in New York right. who wanted to trap. It yeah. says explicitly one to trap the gray, whatever that is, which looks like the the experiment in yeah. a smaller form potentially. We don't really get a sense of scale with the yeah. experiment, but um, so if Cooper, I mean Mr. C Doppel, Doppel Cooper, uh, if that was his whole goal was to get to Mother in some way, mm-hmm. um, then was that also Bob's goal? Uh, how does Judy fit into that? Mm-hmm. Uh, is Judy just a manifestation of mother on earth Like there's is there's mother
0: still, and, and again mother and experiment we have no thing? idea that yeah. they're the same thing yeah. either so yeah. it still hasn't clarified that mm-hmm. entirely but one one thing that it did clarify was that Sarah and Leland were both possessed by these elemental demons mm-hmm. and I you like that you like that whole yeah. confirmation? I have a bit of a problem with it because it changes the way that I read Sarah going back to the pilot as this grieving mother with all this powerful emotional weight behind all of her scenes. Well, now the, that's been removed because she was yeah, possessed by just like
1: Leland. The first time you watch yeah. it, Leland is in the exact same boat. That's what's kind of amazing is that they're so similar in some ways. Leland takes on a more feminine, if you want to call it that, kind of approach to to grief, and it's it's tears and it's very out outgoing right. and out showing. <laughs> and whereas Sarah's kind of a little more buttoned down, but they're <laughs> buttoned down. yeah, yeah, I know, uh, unbuttoned, I would say. Uh, but you know, at the end, if they're both, if they were both putting on this whole time. You know, like that's what because Leland at the end, um, I mean, literally when he died, realized what was happening. Right. Um, and then Sarah, if she knew all along what was happening to her daughter, uh, and was a willful, willfully let Bob do this so that Laura could become evil, could something? We don't know what Laura's role in this yeah. whole thing was, but I mean, the 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 passage in the book is when the male and female come together, they will create the being that will destroy worlds. Right. But instead, they hit Laura. Who yeah. in some ways seems to save the world, and it looks like Cooper was going for this too, uh, to help Laura save the world. At least that's my still interpretation of the end of the Return. So I thought I it was really great because it added, <coughs> it added one, it added enough clarity to say, if you want to look at it this way, here's a way you can look at the characters, and it'll it'll work out. It'll make enough sense for someone like me, at least.
0: But it almost added too much clarity, in my opinion. That. Towards that one interpretation, mm-hmm. that I mean, it, it. I don't like Leland anymore just because he was possessed and wasn't in control, or was in control but was unaware of his control, or whatever. Like he's very complex as a character. Mm-hmm. But I don't like him. I don't feel sorrow for him. No. Whereas I've been feeling sad and sorry for Sarah all of these years, and now all of a sudden, well, but and (laughs) and I know, and and of course that's that's something that art is going to do. It's going to challenge you to come up with these Mm -hmm. and and challenge your own perceptions of what you've seen. But um, but I feel like this is. It was enough to have you know. A murdered daughter, and then to have it be. Demons possibly killing your daughter, and then to find out that it's incest, and then now it's Sumerian demons. It just seems like it's it's gotten so big, and and it's gotten away from the human story. I feel, and that that's something well, that like Fire Walk with Me really brought it back home mm-hmm. to be this human story and very focused and and clear that this was the, These the were story. Human people yes, and here was a troubled this, girl yeah. who was going through hell. Yeah. And now, I mean, I do feel like there's some of, some of that has been stripped away. If Leland and Sarah are both possessed by or whatever by ancient demons, and if if Laura was their creation, then she's not fully human either. And so, it kind of cheapens it a little bit. If all of this well, stuff, like like we were saying with part eight, that if she was sent to Earth to be um, the healer of all things which is what it seemed like at the time, then all of that was gone through for nothing. I don't know. It just it, It's something I'm still grappling with.
1: Yeah, no. See, I'm, I don't have any problem with it because I think the more interesting thing is the fact that the snippets that we get of Sarah in The Return, she's she's not an evil, all-conquering goddess. You know? It's not yeah. like she was this... She's not. She might be Judy, but I don't feel like she is because just because she has a, a darkness when she opens up her face... We don't see her harming anybody except for the dude who deserved to get harmed. Sure, so, you know, sure. like, I, I still feel like there's still enough ambiguity there that you can read in, you know, whether they were possessed or I, I prefer the term influence. That's kind of how I yeah. view Leland's character, especially yeah. uh, in Fire Walk with Me, is that he was influenced by Bob. There, Bob was the voice in his ear telling him, you should go rape your daughter now. Like, yeah. do that. for We'll both enjoy it kind of thing. And Leland gave in and did it. Right. Every time. Right. But, you know, he could still control it. Um, and he chose to do the things he did. Yeah, I feel like it's the same for for Sarah. She she chooses to drink every day, sure. uh, because that's her way of coping. So um,
0: the that's voice in human, her head—that's a human response. That's a human response. And that's a human so response. It, it, I I see what you're saying. That that there's still human and a human aspect to Sarah, just as there was a human aspect to Leland, mm-hmm. and then these influencing. Uh, creatures, which comes back to that interpretation that we first heard in the Counter Esperanto podcast about uh, uh, the Secret Diary when, when they talked about how Bob kind of acted as a trickster figure maybe yeah. who came into the world um, and would influence you to do bad things. Yeah. Not that they were Bob's desires, but he would just lead you to what you wanted to do anyway. Mm-hmm. So if that's how Judy was also acting with Sarah... Then it makes sense because Sarah would you know be I totally feel would be the type of person who would get completely fed up with bullshit guys at the bar um, and would eat their faces off mm-hmm. if or eat their throats out yeah. I, you know, like that seems like something that that an angry woman would do yeah so i I see what you're getting at, yeah, so maybe there is. And, and I, I have my own theories that I don't think I'm going to get into here because I'm going to write about them for 25 years later and I'm not quite ready to talk about them yet because I'm still forming them. Yeah. But some interpretation in my head about what part eight means now in light of the return. So Yeah, I be guess. on the lookout for that. Yeah. I mean, well, it is.
1: I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the book really doesn't end the discussion and that's Mm-mm. that's that's a great thing. Um, it does let you channel it a certain way if you so choose. Um,
0: but you can still fight against it and yeah, go with oh, he, it. As exactly. John Bernardi, uh, we've been chatting a lot in the last, you know, five days, and he is struggling with some of what we're saying, the interpretations that we're coming to. He feels that he can't really reconcile it yet. Um, there are other people that I've talked to who are in the same boat. So it, it's, but they're not closed off to the idea of trying. And I think that's interesting. It may be a testament to the fan who wants to still, you know, engage with this, with this world, mm-hmm. right? The, the book hasn't closed those doors completely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to talk about Ray?
1: So Ray, I mean <clears throat> there's not much there. Uh the interesting part is that uh as we actually as you could figure out through the series, um there's a bit of a disconnect or a, an apparent disconnect at least, um which might just be more uh signs that Gordon Cole is is up to something. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know, in the series he thinks is contact is Philip Jeffries. Right. And in the book it's confirmed that he thought his contact was Philip Jeffries. Um Who,
0: Ray's contact Ray's contact was yes.
1: Philip Jeffries yes. within the Blue Rose. Um Or
0: within at least as an FBI informant. Sure. What, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh but then how does Gordon Cole know that Ray that uh Ray is an informant on Mr. C's operations? Yes.
0: If, if if Gordon didn't really know like how how did Gordon and Jeffries how are they in, in contact with one another? Yeah,
1: I mean the easiest explanation is that Cole's pretending to be Jeffries when he calls or he has someone else pretend to be Jeffries mm-hmm. and talk to Ray and then he just feeds him the information. Or the other potential interpretation uh is that Jeffries is still alive and still working for the Blue Rose. Task mm-hmm. force.
0: Sure. And that Gordon is in contact with Jeffrey's.
1: With Jeffreys constantly. Yeah.
0: No, I and I think that, that that's definitely a the interpretation that I'm going with that we just don't see that from Gordon, but that he is in, he is contacting his old friend mm-hmm. and somehow by a telephone, telegraph smoke signals, he knows where knows? the convenience
1: store is. Maybe we,
0: or he's been to the Dutchman's. Yeah. He knows that. Yeah. Um, which I mean, all of that is still, there's still, like we said, so much that you can look into and, yeah. um, but it it is interesting because uh, f- finding out that Ray was an informant was a shock, and then to read he, he features more prominently than you would expect in the book. So um, it that mystery hasn't been totally solved yet. Yeah, yeah, which is which is interesting for for a character that you didn't really expect that. Exactly,
1: well. and then I mean we know that he's in the Red Room Where or Soul right. is or something. Yeah. I mean because of the owl the yeah. owl cave ring. so. so. Yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely a more interesting character than we might have initially thought.
0: So the most interesting thing yes. in the whole book, the whole book happens in the last handful of pages yep. when Tammy discovers that Laura Palmer isn't dead. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just like the rest of us.
0: Yeah. That uh, was shocking to me as as much as I kind of expected that that was a possibility just based on you know the ending of part 17 when she disappears from from the timeline to find out that tammy has been researching characters in a world where laura palmer is simply a missing person Mm -hmm. who's been missing for 25 years it's an open investigation that is that's incredible to Mm me that that um that that mystery it's it's it's, that made the book so much richer, because now I, when I went back to read it, I'm looking through the stories that we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes, um, and I'm thinking they, they're tainted somehow now, because they're not the stories that we would have gotten at, from the continuation of the end of season two in which Laura was dead. Yeah. Is this how those characters would continue? I don't know. We don't know. We still don't know yeah. what those characters are doing because this is a different timeline because Cooper changed the timeline. And and Tammy can remember both.
1: And that's the really interesting yes. thing. Yes. Uh, it's also kind of an infuriating thing because, you know, it, they don't... Mark Frost does not dive into what that experience is like, except for to say she, her mind is all cloudy and things are weird here. So I have to leave suddenly. Mm -hmm. Um, so she leaves Twin Peaks at the end of the book. Uh, and it doesn't really dive into, like, how is this possible? Yeah. You know, that's just the scientist in me wants to know, like, okay, how is this possible? Yeah. How can I? And, you know, in the final or in the secret history that the dossier that was compiled there, there's documents saying Laura was killed. Yeah. Um, and she makes constant reference back to that, to the Major Briggs even, dossier. Even
0: in the return, you know, um, when Hawk and Sheriff Truman are talking about the diary pages. They mention that Laura was killed. We see pictures of Laura dead, wrapped, wrapped in plastic, plastic yeah. in part four, I think, when um, when Bobby's yeah, introduced in, yeah. in the in the story. So, um, so there there is this world still exists where Laura Palmer has been dead for 25 years, and I feel like that it confirms that what we suspected all along that there were two versions of Twin Peaks that we were seeing side by side on screen. Picking that apart is going to be interesting, well, and I don't know if does it's possible. It, like, no, I do. I think it I, is. Because, I don't think
1: it is. I think the series, like if you're looking for a smoking gun of someone saying Laura was missing as opposed to Laura died, I don't remember anything no, like that in the no, series. No, there
0: there isn't anything like that. But but there is evidence for for different well, timelines existing. Said so said part seven with the diner and the episode when they're in the woods, and you see all the different versions of them. You know, coming, coming to, to Jack Rabbit's Palace.
1: Sure, and and. That that is some evidence. I think in a court of law it would be considered quite okay. circumstantial because it's not it's not a clear indication either way. But it does this book definitely raises that specter of, okay, the things you've been reading, seeing, and reading in Secret History of Twin Peaks, some of them might be from let's say prime universe, and some of them might be from the alternate universe where right. Lauren didn't die. Um, and that might that in my mind goes a long way to explaining the inconsistencies in secret of history, especially does. yeah, um, because, which is what
0: we talked about. Yeah, we talked about that in our secret history episode a year, a year ago. ago. Yes, <laughs> uh, and it's something that's been brought up a lot in the last year, and especially after episodes or parts when things like that happen, mm-hmm. after part seven, for example. Um, so I, I think that that was where we were being led all along: is that there were multiple universes or multiple
1: timelines or yeah and, and not
0: even like you mentioned prime and alternate but there's no evidence that it stops there there could be you know
1: well any it number kind of, of it kind of does because the only thing we get exposed to and that is explicitly made clear is that yes. we do see cooper go back and save laura and we yes. see the start of the other timeline right. with pete martell going out fishing we know uh, there's at least exactly we know there's at least those an yeah we know there's yes. at least those two yeah um and you know it, it's very clear that in the materials here like the very first one we read we didn't pick up on this when we were listening but when we went back and read the second time uh, Albert Riss lists all the dead bodies that he's had to deal with in Twin Peaks in the you know season, end of season two it's Leo and the Renaults and uh there's one other one um yeah he,
0: the the drug dealer in the woods yeah, the that we thought knows. would have been bernard but mm-hmm. it might have been maybe the drug dealer from deer meadow from fire me. sure. we don't know
1: but in any case there's two bodies that aren't listed there that are very prominent which is leland and laura so that i mean that right there this document is from a universe where Laura didn't die. Yeah. And that's that's, you know, that's a smoking gun. That yeah. is something that can you can say, okay, this document is from that timeline. Right. Uh and so my my theory, the one that I'm working with under and that I've posted on on Facebook a couple times, is that there's uh in Secret History at least, potentially in the series, we haven't gone back and watched the whole series to try and pick this out, but yes, there are two sets of things going on. The stuff that can the, that is uh logically consistent with the original series is from the laura's dead timeline anything that differs in any way is from the laura disappeared timeline Mm -hmm. so there's things like uh the biggest one for me is audrey Mm -hmm. uh audrey going to the bank to protest against her father continuing ghostwood as opposed to going to protest with her father against ghostwood yeah uh and you know ben horn losing the civil war as opposed to winning the civil war that happens because laura just disappeared
0: um, Check the whole chess and checkers, chess thing, and checkers thing, which could have been explained by you know how involved Winda Merle was in this investigation and yeah, or whatever. I mean, there's there's so many different ways small. of looking at it, but in small ways that you maybe don't think about so much, but that when you look back are are kind of obvious in a way.
1: Yeah, it could be, or could be, it could yeah. be considered that way at least, and and so I think the. The challenge for us, because we haven't gone back and watched so, is going back and and watching the series Mm -hmm. and seeing if there are any of those clues. Because it's it's really difficult to tell um, for the major storylines uh like dougie seems fairly linear like dougie's whole plot line seems fairly straightforward so it might be that we've watched we watched the whole series and that's all in the prime universe yeah um and then we just get a small hint of the alternate timeline um and then the books are where Mock frost has come in and said you know what i'm gonna pepper in some of this alternate timeline stuff just to throw everyone off or to you know show that this is the potential impact of what would happen if, if right. Cooper had saved her. Right. Um, well, and it speaks it's, it's, to yeah.
0: it speaks to the different ways that Frost and Lynch deal with these mm-hmm. issues. That that David Lynch will suggest it, but won't come out and say mm-hmm. it. So it's all these things that that were hinted at or suggested in scenes like Part Seven, yeah. or like with the Jackrabbits Palace mm-hmm. scene in Part Fourteen or Yeah, I think 15. so. Yeah. So Mark Frost will go back and will put give more details that that lead you to that explanation much more clearly, which is something that um, that a novelist will do, mm-hmm. whereas a filmmaker will do something different, especially well, it, a filmmaker well, like David Lynch, exactly, who will yeah. it's who really will just lead you to
1: because I mean Mark Frost could have not done that either. Mm-hmm. He could have gone, he could have taken this in a totally different direction. But, but he
0: wanted and to do this. He wanted and that's, to do this, and that's yeah. interesting. That I think this is what they this confirms this. Worldview that they had for Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining in my head Mark Frost and David Lynch sitting down over Skype talking about alternate universes. Mm-hmm. And then this is their different approaches to yeah. showing that. Yeah. So, um, which is nice. And I, I always wanted to see this because it's very interesting to me how David Lynch and Mark Frost would approach an alternate universe kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that that's been more or less concretely... Uh, yeah.
1: Confirmed, confirmed.
0: Yeah, yeah, thanks. yeah. yeah no, so, it's true. Um but it does raise a lot of interesting questions about what we've read, and Aiden illustrated that already. So, um, it, it's something that like watching Twin Peaks multiple times is rewarding. Reading this book multiple times has been rewarding. I think mm-hmm. I've read it now three times, and I'm still picking up on new things and new uh, inconsistencies and and new angles and everything that are that are going in my head. So, which is really cool. I think that's it's kind of fun yeah
1: definitely and i mean so there's just like secret history though there's some there's some internal inconsistency which i think could be potentially written off as uh you know a confluence of uh you know different timelines merging Mm -hmm. into tammy's brain um but there were there were a few that i thought were interesting some of them um some of them were, like, right next to each other. Like, they, they were basically begging to be looked at. Like, um, Eileen uh, Hayward was, uh, it said she died of pneumonia in 2009. And then literally the next page, I think it says she died of heart failure in right. 2009. So, you know, what was up with that? And yeah, I, I mean,
0: you, you said it could be heart failure as a result of pneumonia, but yeah. that's not indicated in the book. So that that could be, it's inexplicable how yeah. Tammy could have documents that... Reference both methods or both causes of death.
1: Exactly. Uh, there's 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 a lot of inconsistencies with the series again, um, such as uh, Ben uh, in the TV series. He seemed to know Richard Horn pretty well. I mean, Richard obviously had begged him for money right. and stuff. Uh, but in the book, uh, it's stated that Audrey never let Richard know his his grandfather. Right. So there's there's some there's some the, the whole there. thing with
0: Audrey's um, salon being. Mm-hmm. It, at one point, Tammy yeah. says it was closed, for, she closed it four years ago, yeah. but at another point she references having, like, sitting in Audrey's office in the salon and yeah. seeing Cooper's framed picture on the wall. Yeah. So how could she have seen that? A it's shuttered true. store for four years is going to be picked up by another leasee, Yeah, lease. closed down or something,
1: right? yeah, so. yeah, and yeah. It, uh, Tam even says that uh, Audrey owns and o- owns has owned and operated uh, this salon ever since opening right. it, and then apparently it's closed four nine, four years later. Um, there's some weird stuff with Annie as well. Um, she's described as being born in 1973, and then she's described as being in her 20s when she meets Cooper, which yes. would mean. That they met in 1993 at the very earliest, um, which obviously doesn't line up with either timeline as far as we can tell. Um, Unless possibly the Laura's disappeared timeline, Cooper comes later for some reason. Well, and and that doesn't make much sense. It
0: could be, I mean, the other um, inconsistency there is related to Wyndham Earl's timeline and and Mm -hmm. his interaction with Cooper, which. Seems to have started in the early '80s. My Life My Tapes suggests it happens in the '70s, mm, but yeah. we can maybe disregard that as not as uh, "quote unquote" canonically sound.
1: Plus, they even kind of he even kind of retcons it here uh, when he says that. Oh well, we, the the tapes from there were transcribed by Diane, and obviously we can't trust Diane anymore right. because she was a tulpa. Well, bottom. and she
0: modified and, and yeah, changed uh, things. Ret, er, no, um, modified and redacted a lot of the material yeah. is what he says. Yeah. So. Clearly, or, T- Tammy has heard the tapes, I guess. Yeah. Um, so she she can disregard a lot of that. But either way, for saying that they met in the early 80s and Wyndham Merle set his plan into motion within, like, ni- 1989 is when he um, comes back to Twin Peaks. Yeah. But in that, it, you know, at, at most it's nine years. But Tammy says that he spent 10 years in... A federal lockup in solitary confinement or something after killing Caroline and wounding Cooper. So that doesn't line up either yeah. with that timeline. So it it makes me wonder if maybe, like you said, Aiden, the 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 Laura's missing timeline, the alternate timeline has a different. Um, time events. spread like yeah. it, it it didn't happen in that order or it happened over a longer period of time or Cooper didn't come to town until 1993 or something yeah. like that or did Cooper's messing with the timeline affect things backwards in time the same as, as well. forward yeah. which so Andy um, was
1: born in 73 and then also 68 yeah you know, or, like something or something like, like that, that. Yeah.
0: Like, like it could explain that it could explain how you know Norma and Ed's and Nadine's storyline was different going backwards in time as mm-hmm. opposed to how it happened in in yeah. the prime universe. Yeah. Quote unquote. So um, these are all like like we said, avenues of inquiry that haven't been closed off that yes. you can still dream about and figure, and figure, out, figure out if you yeah, want yeah. to. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and and postulate about. It. The the one that bothers me and that I don't see how it would be affected Maybe, maybe, possibly, but it seems like this is the same Tammy that we got from the Secret History of Twin Peaks, yeah. and the difference is that in the final dossier, she's gone through all the experiences of the the TV series, mm-hmm. um, whereas the one in the Secret History didn't really know. She had no idea about the Blue Rose cases. She had no idea about all the Project Blue Book stuff. She was just learning all this fresh with the reader. Um, so presumably she found the dossier before she went through the TV series. But in the final dossier, it explicitly states we found Briggs's dossier, the f- Secret History of Twin Peaks one, uh, several weeks after we found the body of uh, Ruth, Ruth Davenport.
0: Davenport in her basement. Yeah, in Ruth yeah.
1: Davenport's basement, which she was in the apartment. So she well, it could have basement, been in a, in a it, storage yeah. room, locker, or something. But, but yeah, so um, so that really doesn't make sense because the events of of uh, the series are you know a, a week or two. Yeah. Not several weeks later in which yeah. time she'd have time to analyze and go through all this stuff. Right. Um, and the, the Secret History of Twin Peaks explicitly said it was like June, July 16th or something. 2016, yeah. 2016, so which one. is
0: before the events of the return happened. So so there's even two timelines that we've seen going on yeah. with regard to these books.
1: Yes, um, which which could, I mean, I guess it could still be explained as, you know, uh, in one universe, Tammy didn't get assigned to the Blue Rose case, mm-hmm. whereas in the, the disappearing or one of the other timelines, she did. And so in this one, she has access to all that information. The other one, she didn't. And we're actually seeing the merging of not just... Well, and that's the interesting thing is because the book and the books especially seem to have information from both timelines. We haven't yes. confirmed that about the, the TV series yet, right. but if they do... Are, are we as the reader kind of, you know, looking, opening the Schrodinger's cat box and finding both a dead and a live cat right. at the same time? Right. Um, it's it's really interesting to, to kind of figure out or, or try and surmise what's going on with, in Tammy's head in this case. Because right. either she knew about everything beforehand or she didn't. And here it seems like maybe it's both.
0: Well, and even in instances where she says like Eileen died of heart failure, And then the next page, she says she died of pneumonia. Mm -hmm, Donna left immediately after Miss Twin Peaks. And on the next page, she left on graduation in 1992 or 91 or whatever. So, I mean, she's internally consistent within, you know, 200 words of writing, (laughs) which could be explained that she, you know, she was writing all of this in one day and she was tired and and whatever. But I think there's her mind is playing tricks on her because Mm -hmm. she has memories from... Both timelines. Yeah. Or she at least has the second-hand memories that she learned from... um, Yeah, the
1: original timeline, perhaps.
0: Yeah, or from people who experienced the original timeline, like Albert and Gordon, who had explained things to her. So that's how she knew some things. and Not others. And then the documents that she's researching fill in the opposing, conflicting information. Yeah,
1: and that that was the expansion of my uh, weird theory, is that some of the documents you know confirm with the original universe and some don't um and my interpretation of it was that was that documents written by people who had who had literally crossed over between the two timelines mm-hmm. um their their knowledge of the original one would have remained in place even as the alternate one kind of came over mm-hmm. so um you know that would be Cole and Cooper and you know, anybody who went through a time portal. Right. Um, in I'm thinking Dr. Jacoby, based on what we read in the Secret History of Twin Peaks, he was capable of uh mind altering experiences. experiences. They were described as as being reborn in a new world. Right. So perhaps he has the ability to hold on to some, maybe yeah. Jerry Horn even through yeah. his hallucinogenic experiences. Right. Um it's it's really not clear. So um but I, you know, and that's that's kind of what I like about the book is that it does, it drops enough of a hint there at the end to say, hey, here's a way you could reanalyze everything. Yeah. Go think about it again for yeah. six more months.
0: Or if you don't want to, it still reads as a linear story mm-hmm. that has this great twist at the end that you can put down and, and not obsess and like, oh, over it cool. the way that and we then, might. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... I, I think that's what I wrote in my review is that it's got something for everyone. I don't think it's going to wholly satisfy everyone. No. And that's borne out, I think, in the conversations that have been had online. But um, for the most part, I think it was still... I, I mean, I'm, well, I'm really excited to yeah. have read it and I'm glad to have it.
1: And no, and I'm just going on Twitter and just seeing all the people that were like, oh, I love this book! Thanks so much, Mark Frost. Yeah. You know, just t- tweeting at them. And it's just... And it is. It feels It feels good. It feels like it's a... Uh, a fine collection or fine addition to the if to the for no servers.
0: other reason than to read Margaret Coulson's letter. Yeah. Margaret Lanterman Coulson mm-hmm. was her yes. maiden name. Yes. But, um,
1: but here she was only referenced as one of them. Yes, she which was, is very which interesting. is interesting. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but her letter made me cry, and yeah. I thought that was really important. That um, we all know Mark Frost is very politically active on Twitter. It really felt like he was giving voice to the fears that a lot of us have about the current state of the world not to get too political here but it See, felt I like I didn't view it as political it, at all it felt like it was telling us not to despair that there's still light in the world you just have to find the light and find it within yourself and radiate it outward and then find other people who are radiating it outward and there are evil people who have darkness in them but they're listening to different they're they're tuned into something else mm-hmm. you know find the people who are tuned into the light and and then use that because the, the the darkness is here, but light always follows the dark. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really poignant, and it felt like a nice message to have, um, especially in these troubled times. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I interpreted no, it. No, for it, sure, it it's, felt very nice. Yeah. No, especially.
1: Not, I love that passage too. It was just beautifully written, and yeah. and it felt like Margaret. It, yeah, you know? it did. And that, that was one of the things that really struck me was. Um, you know when we got into the series the first time, um, and we really couldn't. We all, at least I had the habit of saying this is very much David Lynch work. All the right. weird, quirky characters those are Lynch characters. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of them feel like more Mark Frost characters mm-hmm. after going through all this. Like Albert um, on on Twitter, uh, I saw Mark Frost say, "I wrote Albert for Miguel Ferrer." Yeah, um, like they were he's old my friends. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and, he, so. and he, that was his character. Even though, I mean obviously David Lynch directed him a certain way that he came off as what he did Um, although I don't know if he was actually directed by him in those episodes but you know David Lynch had a hand in it but this one really reinforced just how much of Twin Peaks was Mark Frost's creation for me Um, and yeah Margaret is the same way Um, I think even to an extent Cooper oh yeah you know Cooper even is kind of like David Lynch on steroids and turned into an FBI agent um you know, Mark Frost's uh, fingerprints are all over him.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's really underscoring why we as Bickering Peaks want to go into this world and kind of examine David Lynch's film output in addition to what we've seen. Mark Frost has done a lot, mm-hmm. books and TV and film, so we want to look at all of that and kind of use that to re-examine Twin Peaks in light of that, because um, people really do focus on, on David Lynch a lot, and, and Mark Frost has gotten... Kind of yeah, sidelined a bit in a lot side, of yeah. ways, um, so we're glad to see more of. And we've heard some things about some scholarship coming out. Uh, some of our friends in the Twitterverse that we've met through Twin Peaks are working on a book f- about Mark Frost potentially. So, mm-hmm. uh, which would be fascinating to read. I think that's yeah. something that's long overdue. So, um, having these novels has really opened that that world to us. So, for no other reason than to help us look at Twin Peaks with a Frostian view. Yeah. I think that's that's more than paid for itself. Definitely. The the book has. So yes. yeah. Quite enjoy it. So what's next for Bickering Peaks? Well we already told you. Yeah. Two weeks. We're going to be uh, diving into the short films of David Lynch.
1: That is the first one uh, on the docket, That will
0: be yes. our first one. So if you want if to... You well, wanna... the,
1: the early short films. Yes, He's yes. done quite a bit. He's done commercials. He's done short films. He's done short films that are commercials. He's done all <laughs> sorts of stuff. But we're starting with his early art house yeah. kind of stuff, pre Eraserhead, and a little bit further into the 80s. Yeah. Um, so if you're
0: interested in watching that, um, we'll set up a list and yeah. put it out on our Twitter so you can watch along with us. And then... Uh, bi-weekly or fortnightly i don't know how you want to does yeah. bi-weekly mean every two weeks every or does it weeks. mean twice well a week?
1: that's what our mortgage is so i'd hope it's every two <laughs> weeks because if it's twice a week we're in major trouble yeah but yeah and uh actually interestingly enough uh mark frost's first writing credit was actually on six million dollar man Uh, in 1976, I think. so. Was it that early? Yeah, it was that early. No, it was before race. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Uh, So we're going to take a look at, we've got that episode. We're going to watch that. Um, And I think that'll be a nice, because I think we're going to be able to pace them pretty regularly back and forth between the the two creators. So Mm -hmm. um, it'll be nice to to get, because, you know, Frost is working in TV for the most part. Yeah. uh, Especially early on. Um, So, You know, it'll be nice to get. You know, we'll have a racer head, and then we'll have you know a made-for-TV movie that Mark Frost had done in uh, or a major like a CBS
0: series, you know, or whatever. So um, to have that kind of balance off each other will be a nice way to yeah
1: to go back and forth. So but um, yes, like
0: I said, every two weeks we'll be putting out episodes, not every week, mm -hmm. and uh, we really hope that you guys will will tune in along with us. Aiden will send out our schedule for mm-hmm. the month of November, maybe December Probably as well. Probably December as well, yeah. So that you guys will have that if you're interested. Yeah. Um, so I guess yeah, this is us signing off for Twin Peaks for now. Yep. We'll come back at you when the box set is released before uh, Christmas. We've perused
1: all the the juicy insides. Yeah. Um, but and, yeah, uh, thank you for joining us once again. Yes. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Hit us up on Facebook shoot us an email and yeah let's we'll keep the especially going if,
0: especially if you have interesting insights into yeah. final dossier that we didn't cover yes please um, we would love to hear you know theories or um, insights that you have definitely drop us a line
1: If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word.
0: You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks.
1: Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you.